Okay, this is a required reading for the visit by my good friend Giovanna Sardelli, who's an amazing director. Um, this is an article from The Interval, uh, dated October 6, 2014, about Giovanna Sardelli and her process. Director Giovanna Sardelli was heading to a martial arts class after chatting with us, which seemed incredibly ap apropos given her well-thought-out and fascinating views on women in power, especially in the theater. Okay, her views on pretty much everything were interesting, but after reading her interview, we think you'll get uh, why we started with the martial arts thing. Giovanna is an accomplished director of new work and has worked on world premieres from Rajiv Joseph, Matthew Lopez, Teresa Rebeck, Lynn Rosen, and Zoe Kazan. Starting on October 10th, you'll be able to see her work on display in The God Game at Hudson Stage Company, and this spring she'll be directing Little Children Dream of God for Roundabout Underground. We talked to her about everything from the development of new work to Fred Astaire, and yep, a little martial arts. She's really an exciting director, and she can chop a block of wood in half with her hand. <laughs> All right, new work. Here's the question. You've worked on a lot of new plays. What do you feel is the director's role in developing new work? Giovanna's answer, I feel like primarily you have to be on board with the story. You have to love the story you're going to tell. I think when you do a new play, you do a disservice to the play if you're looking to put your stamp on it, if you're looking to influence it beyond what the playwright wants to say. So when I read a new play, the first thing I think is, how did it affect me? Did it move me? What are my questions? I want to make sure that the writer and I share the same questions and agree on the journey. Next question, when you're choosing product, projects to direct, do you pick things that feel like fit with your aesthetic or do you go towards things that are very different? Gio's answer, I feel like I have to understand the story and believe there's a value in the story. I actually like to be challenged, so I do projects that tend to scare me. A couple of times a year, I like to do projects that I feel are in my wheelhouse, but I like a challenge. When I read a play, I track my journey through it. So if I laughed out loud, I'll put a little check. If I get emotional, I'll make a mark so that when I read through it, I see what happened. Uh, next question. Uh, re recently, you were director of new works at Theater Works in Palo Alto. Uh, what are, she's now currently the, new, the artistic director, by the way, of Theater Works in Palo Alto. Uh, what are your pro what's your process like for curating new work for that festival? Gio's answer, I was actually hired really late, past the date you would, want to, uh, you have, would have wanted to name your plays. So I think I was very lucky and then I read all of these plays and met all of these playwrights and I had this arsenal of people I could draw upon. I had other directors who I could call and say, what is your favorite play right now? If I asked you for three plays, what would you send me? So this year the process a little more insular than I would, than, than I would like it to be in the future. It was important to me that the festival celebrate diversity. It was important to me that the festival had a strong female presence. I needed to test the boundaries of the theater company and make sure that we are excited by the same type of theater. So I took some risks. I colored outside the lines with plays that I knew we may never produce, but I knew we could get away with it in the festival. So that's really how I curated it this year. It was more playwrights. I knew I, I had been, it was more playwrights I knew or had been following. Uh, the next cat category is audiences. Question, so much development of new work takes place outside of New York City. How do you think that affects the development process? Gio's answer, one of the great things about being outside of the city is that you can really experiment. Your friends, peers, theaters, and producers usually aren't going to come to see it. Part of the reason I love working in development around the country is you're away from the pressure and pace of the city. 
I think it's nice to be able to leave and it's nice to be able to present your plays for people who aren't as jaded as New Yorkers are. I mean, New Yorkers have seen it and done it, you know? It's, uh, so it's nice to be reminded for the rest of the, uh, that the rest of the country doesn't think the way we think. Uh, I've been really lucky to work with a lot of different play development centers and a lot of them actually are not producing organizations. So that takes a little burden off since you're, uh, since you're not auditioning, you're just developing. I think the hardest thing for an artist to do is find space where you can fail. And you have to do that. Unless you end up just working in a narrow set of parameters for yourself, you have to make space to, to fail. Next question, was there anything surprising about audiences outside of New York? <laughs> One of the things that shocked me was, this is Gio's answer, by the way. One of the things that shocked me was really having to watch swearing. <laughs> it didn't even occur to me to track that. I'm pretty good, and I think most playwrights I know are pretty good at looking at the use of swearing and keeping it character specific. But it was amazing to me as you move outside the city how that is really an issue and how people are offended by language in a way that I didn't even don't even hear. So that was very interesting for me to learn. I wondered about that. These are people who have raised children and live rich and full lives. And why does that matter so much? Why is this an issue outside the city? I'm actually still trying to figure that out. And I wonder if part of that is when you go to theater outside of New York, you get in your car, you choose where to eat dinner, you, can't, you can really select the path you, you take to everything. So you are insulated, maybe? I don't think that, I, uh, I don't know, but I'm curious. And yet the same audience who will complain about language will watch Water by the Spoonful. It is something that I wonder about. I think an antiquated idea of theater is maybe what it stems from. Next question. And an antiquated idea of theater is not good for new work. No, this is Gio's answer. No, I think we live in such an exceptional time for new work because nothing is off the table. And I find that fascinating. I find the entire question about gender identity fascinating, that we live in a time where you can ask a question about gender identity and have it answered in a multitude of ways. Next section is on space and the question. We've been talking a lot about physical spaces. The theater spaces for new plays can be a lot of black boxes. Um, how do you think that affects your work? Gio's answer, I think a lot of people write for the black box. I think it's hard when you get a highly theatrical play. Uh, I haven't done a play in a black box in a long time. I've been lucky that a lot of the new work I've done have been in larger theaters. But as I'm saying that, I'm laughing because the next two plays I'm doing in New York are both humongous plays in tiny theaters. It requires a level of imagination and a commitment to theatricality. You don't want to define a new play outside of what the play is, to throw a concept on top of a new play before the writer has had a chance to meet their play. So finding a language that serves the space you can't lie about the space you're in, and that serves the play you're doing. So you're marrying these worlds. Designers are invaluable. As a designer, I thank Gio for that. Uh, the next section, theatricality. They question, you're directing Little Children Dream of God for Roundabout Underground in the spring. Can you tell us a little bit about that play? Gio's answer, it's a really amazing and beautiful play about our future and our ability to escape our past and dream beyond. And this idea that to do that, you need a community uh, and your community needs a home. It's a legacy play. What world do we, do we leave our children? What strengths do we gather from our children? And what do we give to them? Uh, playwright Jeff Augustin is a Haitian American and there's a size to the play. There's a character who is 115 years old and he just is, and that's just that. <laughs> One of the characters may or may not have children by God. And that just is. There's voodoo and all kinds of exciting things. So it's highly theatrical and yet very personal and intimate. Next question. So that's an interesting play to put in the roundabout underground space. Uh, the roundabout theater, by the way, is, uh, is a theater, a well-known uh, national theater in the DC area. 
This is what I love about Robin Goodman, artistic director of artistic producer, excuse me, of Roundabout Underground, and Jill Rafson, literary manager, and Josh Fielder, literary associate, and the Roundabout. Their belief in theatricality, and that we will find a way to do it. And I think they were smart in selecting this play because you're going to have to find a highly theatrical way of doing it. But in the end, it is personal, so it should succeed in the space, although the space is undeniably a challenge. Next question. You have a couple of other things before that, right? Uh, Gio's answer. I'm working on a new play by Rajiv Joseph. Uh, Gio's, by the way, has worked quite a bit with Rajiv Joseph, Joseph, a great new playwright. It's a workshop at NYU, and I think one of his most ambitious plays. And I'm doing Suzanne Broadbeer's, Bradbeer's play, The God Game, at Hudson, Hudson Stage Company starting on October 10th. The next section is on storytelling. The question, writers get asked a lot about themes in their work, but as a director, do you find that you have any themes? Gio's answer, I do. I think one of the things I've, I've drawn uh, to is the everyday heroic. I'm drawn to stories where against all odds, our humanity and our better angels shine through. I'm very excited by playwrights who walk that line and who are not afraid to examine the ugly in humanity and then the hope that exists there as well. So I love plays that celebrate the fact that a man who goes to work and comes home and takes all of his dreams and his hopes and sets them aside for his family is actually a hero. Or a woman who redefines herself, who looks at her family and goes, I'm going to ask for more, even if it makes no sense. Those plays I love. Next question. You were an actress before moving into directing. How do you think that affects your work as a director? Uh, Gio's answer. I think it makes me a good liaison between the person who wrote the story and those people who will tell it. I'm pretty good at seeing the how of telling the story. I'm pretty good at encouraging actors to be brave and to do work faster than they may be comfortable working. Part of that is, uh, part of that, is that I understand their process and my training isn't limited to one method of acting. I really was lucky in that I went to a school, NYU, where whatever worked, worked, so I can work with a lot of different styles. Next question, do you think it affects the pieces you choose to direct? Uh, Gio's answer, yes, definitely. That's why I look at the story and who's telling. The style can excite me, but I can never choose style over substance because that's not my specialty. There are better directors for that. Since people are telling the story, I need to follow the story through them. Next section is on transitions. What was the transition like going from acting to directing? Gio's answer, it was oddly really easy. I'm incredibly lucky. I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, so my understanding of culture and opportunity with the arts was very limited. I wanted to be a performer because that's what it, it uh, because that's what it was that I uh, saw, and it wasn't until I actually started to be a performer that I was like, "Huh, oh wait, you can imagine what I'm wearing? Someone does that? All of those things that I never pieced together. I was standing center stage at the public theater, and while all my friends were acting, every time a light cue would go on, and I'd think, "Oh, that's interesting," <laughs> and I got lucky from uh, that Zelda Fischandler, who's a notorious director, um, legendary director. I got lucky, lucky that Zelda Fischandler, uh, who ran NYU at the time, was doing a directing program where they invited three students back every year. And you essentially went to school for free for one year to be a director. And so I was crying in her office and I said, I don't know what to do. I love this business, but I can't act. It's actually hurting me, not helping me. And she said, well, you're a director. <laughs> there was just something in the way she said it, that she could not only say, you're a director, but I want to invite you into this program. That was really life-changing because it was what I was meant to do. All that training was to tell stories and not just a piece of a story. Next question. You grew up in Las Vegas. Uh, that is one of those places that has a mythology in American culture. 
how do you how does affect how has it affected your artistic sensibilities her answer there's a positive and negative to it it actually truly was a cultural wasteland i really did not have an artistic sensibility growing up i mean what saved me was the fact that my family traveled my father was in entertainment so we traveled in saturday movies the world has to become larger than what it is because las vegas is dazzling but it was also a mafia town and then a Mormon town. I mean, just growing up, the tension between the mafia, the Mormons, the desert rats, who are all that through, who are all through Sam Shepard plays. And then you have showgirls. Uh, the characters I met, I realized it prepared me for everything. However, I will, on top of all of that, I will take in, uh, all that humanity and add glitter. So I need to, someone to say, maybe not so much glitter. Uh, question. There's always room for glitter. And she says, I think so too. I really do. If it sparkles, I watch it. Uh, next question. Do you think that had a big effect on your theatricality? She answers completely. As much as there is no culture, Las Vegas is the land of yes. So if you want 37 showgirls to come out of a volcano that's going to spew lava, someone's going to figure out how to do that. I had high standards of what could happen on stage. And what NYU did was go... You don't have to build the volcano, but you can tell the story of the volcano and the figure out and figure out how to do that. But I had no sense uh, of no, or you can't do this. Next section is called past. What's the first piece of storytelling that had a major impact on you? Gio's answer, I'm thinking of it now because of Robin Williams passing, but I think Dead Poet Society, which by the way, everybody is my favorite film. I didn't see any theater until I was about to graduate from college, but I remember watching the movie Dead Poet Society and sitting in the movie theater sobbing hysterically because I realized that I would leave Las Vegas, uh, that in order to be who I wanted to be and do what I wanted to do, I would have to leave my family, my home, my friends. So that was such a profound moment, sitting in that theater and thinking my world had to be larger than Las Vegas, and I had to leave. I, it was actually devastatingly sad and poignant. Next question. It's interesting that you went into theater without growing up with it. Gio's answer. When I was in high school and college, I was in music videos and flown to LA and stuff like that. I probably would have done that, uh, that track in particular, except when I graduated with a degree in theater, and realized that I had never seen any, I came, uh, I came home crying saying, I have to see plays. So my parents sent me to London. I went on one of those theater tours and saw Vanessa Redgrave, Jonathan Price, and Natasha Richard Richardson in The Seagull. And that's why I went to grad school. That changed everything. Question, you, who were your heroes growing up? Gio's answer, Fred Astaire. Honestly, I have to say to my parents, uh, my mom was a dirt poor daughter of an Oklahoma cotton farmer who wrote, raised children in Las Vegas who were aware of the world. She encouraged us to go to every church. Uh, yeah, to go to every church. Both my sister and I uh, uh, had half Japanese best friends growing up. So we went to Buddhist temples. She made sure I took a transcendental meditation class when I was a senior in high school. She made sure I read. My mom passed away two years ago. She was for me Atticus Finch someone with such an innate sense of fairness and human dignity. I just feel blessed that amidst all that chaos of Las Vegas, all that sex, and I mean, you grow up as a little girl in Las Vegas with an understanding of if you show these, you get this much. <laughs> and it's amazing that my mom and dad protected me from that. It's really phenomenal. Then my father, because he's one of the, those great characters in life. Because of my father, I understand Chekhov and Sam Shepard. My dad is just this amazing personality. Fred Astaire was my artistic hero. Every Saturday I watch Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire was elegant and he was supremely confident. I think about Fred Astaire, but I also think about all his partners. For me, it was incredible as a young girl to see women 
who were sexual, but the antithesis of Las Vegas sexuality. It was genuinely powerful and respected. I think I also responded to that. Next question, growing up someplace so hypersexualized had to be an interesting experience. Does it affect your work? I think I had an awareness of how to use sexuality and I did a lot of therapy to be able to understand this in a healthy way. I think women underestimate their power. When I was first starting out as a director and wanted to control a room, I wanted to be the alpha male, which is just ridiculous. You can't be the alpha male, but you can still control the room. I worked on really aggressive male-dominated plays, so I didn't know how to be in the room. So I think I had an awareness through all my studies growing up in Las Vegas martial arts <laughs> that how you dress and how you present yourself in the room changes the tone of the room. I think women have to be conscientious of how they enter a room in a way that men do not, and I think you have to understand what a powerful tool it can be. How you show up in a room. Uh, next question, it's not something male directors have to think about. She answers, no, not at all, which is true. Uh, next question, when did you first feel like a grown-up? Her answer is, sometimes I still don't. I still live life uh, of, quote, summer, of a, summer is a special time, and I'm an adult woman, so that should not be the case. Part of me felt like a grown-up when I graduated. I was done with NYU, moved out of the, my apartment with my boyfriend, I, and I got my own apartment. And the first night that I had put together my futon and locked the door and realized, oh my God, I live alone in New York City. I have achieved a dream. That was a moment I went, uh, I'm an adult. The next section is culture. Question, what other areas of culture affect your work? Well, because I grew up in a cultural wasteland, when I'm working on a play, I try to read as much as I can. I live near the Met, so I'm often at the Met. I feel I like to fill myself up with other ways of looking. I like to take advantage of everything so there's no one thing. And people watching, sitting on a bench and watching all these people whose lives are so different than mine. Travel, whether it's out of the country, is just a different neighborhood. Oh, sorry, travel, whether it's out of the country or just a different neighborhood. What are the top five travel destinations you wanna to go to? Geo answers, number one, New Zealand, two, Moscow and all through Russia, three, Jerusalem, four, Italy, I'd go back anytime, and five, Machu Picchu. The next section is representation. We think it's important for people and probably especially girls to see women directing and writing and so on. You mentioned a female mentor. mentor. How important do you think it is for women to have a female mentor? Her answer, I think you have to have that. I think it's hard to find. Again, I think I was lucky that there are five women that are very responsible for my career. That's rare. Most of my female friends don't have that. I think it's imperative that women see other women in these positions. My role model, models growing up were women who kind of desexualized themselves, you know, pantsuits. And now you have directors like Maya Drales, who is sexy and she's who she is and she went to Yale. I think it's important that there are mentors out there who can help you find your path. Like if you want to be a director and a mother, you can find someone who took that path. I don't remember having that choice. I got lucky that I got to NYU. Uh, if I'd gone to any other grad school, I would not have had Zelda. Who are the five women is the question. Zelda, Teresa Rebeck. Teresa Rebeck introduced me to Angelina Flordelisi and Rajiv Joseph. Teresa Rebeck, by the way, is a playwright, a very well-known playwright. Um, so she introduced her to Angelina Floridisi and Rajiv Joseph, and that is a moment in my career where my career changed. Carol Rothman at Second Stage and Chris Burney, then through Teresa Rebeck, D Dina Janis, 
uh, Julianne Boyd, Wendy Goldberg at the O'Neill, which is another theater company. These are women who have, have my back and say, we'll put our money behind you and again and again. So people know it wasn't a fluke and wasn't because of the playwrights. <laughs> uh, next question. Does your acting background make you more cognizant of having good female roles? Her answer, yes and no. I would call myself a feminist, and yet I've worked a lot with Rajiv Joseph and Matthew Lopez, and the female roles have not been as pivotal as the male roles. But those are two writers who, if they call me and say, I have a terrible idea on a napkin, will you do it? I'll say yes, regardless of the story, because these are two artists I want to support. And whatever they do, I'm excited to be in the room with it. I am conscious of trying to put together female designers. If there are no women in the play, I wanna make sure there are women on the team. But it's amazing how you have to check yourself. I mean, I have to check myself and I'm a woman who's concerned with these issues. I make lists and it's not until we're starting to hire that I go, oh my God, there's no women on this list, which is a crime because there's always a woman who is good as everybody else is on the list. Uh, next question, people sometimes can be surprised when a woman directs a male driven play, yet they're never surprised by a man directing a show with a female protagonist. Uh, Gio's answer, that comment drives me bananas. And thank God that in my career, there are people who don't believe that or I would never have done The Whipping Man. Whipping Man, by the way, is a play by Matthew Lopez that I uh, designed for Giovanna twice. I have no business directing The Whipping Man if these are your guidelines. I'm not Jewish, I'm not black. What do I bring to the table except an incredible ability to tell that story, understand those dynamics and understand how to create fear and tension and hope on stage. Men have been directing women's plays for years and no one has ever asked that question. Like I just loved The Hurt Locker. Thank you, Catherine Bigelow. I'm a martial artist and when it comes to violence on stage, I have more skill than most female directors. Yet people don't see that. People, I don't, uh, because I don't represent myself to the world as someone who is violent or fascinated with power, violence and manipulation. Uh, next question, do you feel like there's more discussion about your manner in the rehearsal room? Do you feel like there's more discussion about your manner in the rehearsal room? Uh, her answer, completely. I think power as a woman is a really interesting thing. I study it, I'm fascinated by it, and I studied it partly because I was failing. I'm a strong woman and it was important to me that everyone knew that. So the way I entered a room was actually antagonistic in a way uh, I did not mean it to be. I just want everyone to know that I could run the room. So I think for women understanding power and what that looks like, I think we have to be more attentive to it. A few years ago, my agent got feedback that I was too nice. I called him back and asked him to call that person back and ask what the hell that meant. <laughs> it bothered me so much. And he said, quote, it's not the first time you've been called nice. What does nice actually mean? That's end quote, by the way. What does nice actually mean? And I don't know any man who would be called nice. Uh, you're either too nice or too bitchy. Uh, it's rare you get called confident. Uh, question, uh, we don't have discussions about confidence with men. And her answer, exactly. It's like you're in the room, so you must be confident. Uh, next question, do you feel like you have less room for failure? Oh God, yes, is her answer. Even our successes are not lauded in the same way. Um, I think men have to have an arc to their career that women don't. Sorry, they get to have an arc to their career that, they, that women don't. Sam Gold, who is an artist I respect, got a bad review in the New York Times for something. And in the bad review, Isherwood or Brantley made a point of reminding us how wonderful he was. Uh, quote, that, that while he didn't succeed in the play, let us remember, dot, 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 end quote. 
And then they listed four of his successes. And I thought to myself, I don't know any female that has ever had that experience. I also can't think of any artist that's had that's more hardy than Sam Gold. He can fail, he'll be fine. It was stunning to see. Last section, future. What's something you think people can do to improve gender parity in theater? Gio's answer, I think the first thing is a consciousness towards it. If you have a season uh, and have seven plays and only one is by a woman, you need to look at that. You need to look at how many women are in leadership positions and audiences help. Uh, there was a theater years ago that I did, that did an all-female season and it was uh, the lowest attended season they ever had. That's an audience's fault. I think there's an idea that if a playwright is female, then a play is gender specific. Everyone has to be smarter about it and make sure you're not marketing it as quote, a female play because sadly audiences shy away from that. You wanna make sure you're casting a wide net in all areas. End of article.